So I'd like you to take your Bibles out to Judges chapter 16, verse 1 to 2. And uh, while you're turning there, a little story. One time an evangelist was in town and he was preaching up a storm. He's a fire and brimstone preacher. And he was saying, we need to take all the wine in this town and dump it in the river. And we need to take all the beer in this town and dump it in the river. And we need to take all the booze in this town and dump it in the river. And now the choir director is going to get up and lead us in a hymn. And the hymn they got, he stood up and they let him in was, shall we gather at the river? <laughs> Well, this morning we're talking about a guy who wasn't supposed to touch or drink alcohol, name of Samson. And we're, we've been looking at, on a series on him, and we see in Judges chapter 16, verse 1 to 2, it says, One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson's here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him. All night at the city gate, they made no move during the night, saying, At dawn will kill him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Just bring it alive in our hearts and help us to learn from it today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, how many of you are Superman fans? Show of hands. You like Superman? Yeah. It's all right. It's, you can admit it. I, I grew up watching the Superman show. Some of you might remember that if you're a little bit older or maybe they have it on reruns. But you know how that show goes. Look in the sky. It's a bird. Yeah, really? A bird? Superman? A bird? It's a plane. It's Superman, the man of steel, right? Uh, if you didn't see the TV show, you probably read the comics or you definitely seen the movies. But if you know anything about Superman, you know the Man of Steel has one fatal weakness. One weakness that can take even a strong man like Superman down. And that is kryptonite. Every Superman has his kryptonite, his weakness. Samson was God's Superman. And God gave Samson supernatural strength. I mean, this guy was a real superhero. And yet, he had his weaknesses that took him down in a big way. And a lot of great men have been taken down by their weaknesses. And that includes Christian men, men of God. And it usually happens in small steps that lead to big destruction. And that's the title of this message this morning is Small Steps That Lead to Big Destruction. Now in our series on Stronger, which is based on the life of Samson, there, there's a lot like a guy like Samson can teach us, us men and women here today. Now in the first week we learned that Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. And just, uh, just to recap the story of what's going on here, Israel has now been oppressed by the Philistines for a long time. God raises up Samson from birth to be a judge and a deliverer of his people. I like when, when the angel of the Lord or the Lord appears to, to Manoah, Samson's father and his mother and says, you're going to have a baby. And then he, he tells him what's going to happen and then he disappears. And I like how Manoah goes, we have seen the Lord and now we're going to die. And his wife said, um, sweetie, I think if we were going to die, we'd be dead by now. So we know who had the brains in that family, right? We know who had the smarts. Unfortunately, Samson did not get his mom smarts. He's kind of, a, kind of dumb sometimes. So, but God did give Samson incredible strength. And Samson was able to kill a lion with his bare hands. 
So he could strike down a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. But God said to, to Samson that from birth you are to be a Nazarite. Now what's a Nazarite? A Nazarite meant no alcohol, no touching dead things, no haircuts. All those were a sign of dedication to God, of consecration and dedication to the Lord. So Samson was not supposed to do that. Now the problem with Samson is Samson had three attitudes that make strong men weak. We learned that in the first week. Number one was lust. Lust is I want it. And he was chasing after a Philistine filly. He wanted to marry a Philistine girl. He wasn't supposed to marry Philistine women. Entitlement, I deserve it. He ate honey out of a lion. I guess he figured I killed this lion. I ought to get something from it. And pride, which is I can handle it. He throws a kegger party to celebrate his wedding, and he wasn't supposed to be around alcohol, but his three attitudes is I want it, I deserve it, I can handle it, have taken many men down. Satan loves to make strong men weak, but we serve a God who loves to make weak men strong. And I am thankful that God has made weak men like me strong. And then in week two, we learned about Another common problem that men have, that is Samson, was emotion-driven, not spirit-led. And it was basically driven by two strong emotions, anger and pride. And anger, when it comes to anger, there, there's different types of anger. For instance, there's sudden anger, and that's, that's explosive, fly-off-the-handle, Mr. Volcano type of anger. And, and Proverbs 14, 17 says, a quick-tempered man does foolish things, and he sure does. Just kind of the difference between men and women. If a woman stubs her toe, she'll sit down and she'll rub her toe, right? A man stubs his toe, what he does? He turns around, he kicks the furniture, <laughs> thereby breaking his toe. That's why women live longer than men. Will Rogers says, when you fly into a rage, you seldom make a, self, a safe landing. So true, right? And then there's sinful anger. That's an unjustified anger. That sometimes we get mad at God or we get mad at our brothers in the Lord and it leads you to do sinful things or maybe take revenge. That's sinful. Then there's stubborn anger. That's anger you won't let go of. You keep holding on to. That's why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down in your, while you're still angry. Get rid of that anger. Deal with it. Don't harbor it and, and nurture it in your spirit. And then there is a sanctified anger, which is a righteous anger. You know what? Even Jesus got angry. So not all anger is wrong or bad. Samson's anger was not the sanctified anger. Samson was an angry man and it cost him. The Bible says burning with anger, he went to his father's house and Samson's wife was given to another man. Now what happened there was Samson uh, had a riddle at his wedding. He's trying to be a smart guy and, and his wife told the guests what the riddle were. And so Samson got all upset about that and he goes home to his father's house. Going home to your father's house, I mean, the guy's a grown man. Goes home and lives in his mom and dad's basement, playing Xbox instead of going and being a husband, right? And he finds out his wife's given to another guy. So he gets all angry and bent out of shape about that, and it leads into a lot of bad behavior. So anger is a bad emotion when you can't handle it. Same with pride. Pride. Here's the thing about pride. I call these two rules of pride. Number one, you're prouder than you think you are. Now, if I were to ask you to describe yourself, very few people ever would ever describe themselves as, yeah, I'm, I'm a very proud man. 
I like long walks on the beach and quiet nights by the fire. You know, we don't describe ourselves as prideful, do we? But the truth is, we are. And we do a lot of things out of pride and we react and act out of our pride. And also your pride, here's the other thing, is your pride runs deeper than you think it does. You may think, oh wow, I've really dealt a lot with my pride. I've really humbled myself. And maybe you have and that's great. But you know what? You're still prouder than you think you are. So Samson was a proud man and his pride led him down some bad roads. So that brings us to this week. This week we're gonna look at Samson as he continues down this bad path and he's going to do it in small steps. Small steps leading towards big destruction because you know what, that's usually how we do it. So let's start by looking at this. Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump back a little bit in the story to Judges 15, verse 16 and 19. And then, it's a, and then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I've made a donkey out of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and the place was called Ramath Lehi. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, you have given your servant this great victory. Now must I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the Philistines. Kind of a drama queen here, isn't he? I'm gonna die if I don't get some water. Then the Lord opened up a hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called En-Hakor and it is still there in Lehi. Now, so Samson strikes down a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And I'll tell you what, guys, nothing works up a thirst like banging in a thousand Philistine heads. You know what I mean, right? We've all been there. And he cries out, give me water, I'm going to die. And God opens up this well and water gushes out and Samson drinks. And then I, I, I like here, notice that his, the Bible says, notice that his strength returned and he was revived. His strength returned and he was revived. Both, he, he had a revival here, both in body and in his soul. And I think at this point in his life, he said, you know what, I need, I need to get more serious about God and I need to get back on the straight and narrow. Now, how do I know that? Because look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Now, I love the Bible because it can put so much into such a a little small sentence here. So much in this verse. And it's easy just to kind of just skip right over that and miss that, this vital part of the story. But look what the Bible says. 20 years he led Israel. 20 years of faithful service. 20 years of Samson on the straight and narrow, doing what's right, doing the ministry, honoring God, realizing his God-given potential and calling that was on his life. 20 years. And then remember what we read in Judges 16, verse one, and then one day, and then one day, Samson goes to Gaza and sees a prostitute. Stop, back the truck up here, 20 years, and then one day. Kind of reminds me of King David. The Bible says one evening, the king got up, went for a walk, saw Bathsheba taking a bath. The magic number's one. One day, one evening, one look. Used to be an old car commercial. Just one look, that's all it took. 
One look. One look and he saw a prostitute. One look and David saw Bathsheba. It always starts with one. One drink, one hit of drugs, one gambling bet, one touch. Speaking of one touch, that kind of reminds me of a couple that, a young married couple wanted to become members of this church and it was kind of a different church. And uh, they met with the pastor and the pastor said, now to become members of our church, to join our church, you have to abstain from marital relations for 30 days. Aren't you glad you're not joining that church, right? And they said, oh, okay, okay. So they, they agreed to that. And after 30 days, they came back on day 31 and sit down with the pastor. And the pastor says, well, how'd you guys do? Did you make it? And they, they said, well, no, pastor, we didn't make it. We, we, on day 30, I went to reach for the cereal. My wife went to reach for the cereal. Our hands touched and it was like electricity and we lost all control. So we didn't make it. And the pastor said, well, I appreciate you trying, but I'm sorry you, you're not allowed in our church. And the guy said, that's okay, pastor. We're not allowed in the grocery store anymore either. <laughs> so next we see Samson's on his way to Gaza one day. Now, Gaza was Philistine central. It was like one of their main cities. And, uh, and so one day, one day, Samson gets in his head, I am going to go to Gaza and find a prostitute. I'm going to hook up with a hooker. Now, Gaza was about 25 miles from where Samson was. That's important. So Samson, we see, is going where he has no business going, and he's about to do something he has no business doing. Something that's about to destroy 20 years of faithfulness. Now, guys, here's a question. Guys, who would be so stupid as to risk so much for so little? You know, the answer is us. We do it all the time, don't we? I mean, men do it every single day. We put at risk good marriages, good careers, good ministry, good reputations, good families. This could so easily read, one day, Pastor Samson got into his car and drove off to Las Vegas. Or one day, Bob, good Christian, and hu good Christian husband and father, has an affair. Or one day, Jim, after being sober for 20 years, decides he's going to have a drink or contacts his old drug dealer. One day, we put it all at risk for one bad decision, one experience that doesn't last. We can risk so much for so little. And men do it all the time. Now, if you like math, if you're a numbers guy, 25 miles, they say to walk 25 miles takes 56,250 steps. Now think about this. Men don't ruin their lives all at once. We don't, we don't instantly self-destruct, usually. Usually it's one step at a time, one bad decision at a time, one wrong action, step by step. It took Samson 56,250 steps to get to Gaza. 56,250 steps. Every one of those steps was, I'm going to Gaza. I'm going to Gaza. I'm going to find a prostitute. I'm going to Gaza. I'm going to Gaza. 56,250 steps. On the other hand, every one of those steps was an opportunity to turn back. 
Every one of those 56,250 steps was an opportunity to say, hey, this is wrong. Hey, I'm going in the wrong direction. Hey, I need to turn this around and get right with God. Every one of those 56,250 steps, you know the Holy Spirit was saying, Samson, stop. You're going the wrong way. Turn around and go back. But Samson refused to listen. We usually don't wake up one morning and say, today I'm going to destroy my life. I'm going to create a train wreck. It usually happens in steps. We get on the computer and there's a pop-up and we click on that and then that takes us to another place and we click on that and then we click on that and click on that and, one, and then we wind up in a bad place. We usually don't decide to, to commit financial ruin in one day. But what happens is we get a credit card and we start buying things we can't afford. And then maybe we think, you know what, I really could use a boat. And so we go out and buy a boat. And then, you know, I need a trailer for my boat so I can get it to the lake. And I need a truck to pull my trailer so I can get it to the lake. And I need a nicer house to park my truck in because I don't want to park a, a nice truck into a, a, a bad house. And we start making all these decisions. Then we think, you know what, maybe I'll, if I can place a, I'll, I'll go to the casino and, and try to get my money back and, and Try to get out of this hole I'm in. And it brings financial ruin or adultery. You know, a lot of times uh, when, I, when I've talked to people who committed adultery, they say, well, we didn't mean for it to happen. It, it just happened. Really? It just happened? Yeah. You mean you were walking down the street and she was walking the other way, two strangers, and all of a sudden this tornado came, swept you both up, and threw you into a motel room? It didn't just happen, did it? It's one look, and then a flirt, and then another flirt, and then another flirt, maybe a text message, and then an invitation. It happens in steps. You know that saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Well, how do you ruin your life? One step at a time. One bad decision leads to the next, and to the next, and to the next. Now, when you look at Samson, Samson had three steps that led to big destruction. And we're, let's take a look at these three things that, that Samson did. Number one was he taunts his enemy. And we see that in Judges 16, two to three. The people of Gaza were told Samson's here. Remember, they surrounded him. They laid in wait for him. And then verse three, but Samson lay there only into the middle of the night. So he got up ahead of time. Then he got up, took a hold of the doors of the city gates together with the two posts, tore them loose, bar and all, lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So Samson wakes up ahead of all the other guys earlier than he thought he would, goes to the city gates, big bronze heavy gates, rips them off their hinges and carries them away. These gates probably weighed like 700 to 1,000 pounds or more. Now, gates were, were, are a symbol of a city's strength and security. You close the gates at night, that's what kept you safe in your walled city. So basically, when Samson not only just opened up the gate, he could have just opened up the gates and left. He didn't do that. He rips them out of their hinges and carries them away. And basically, what he's turning around and saying to them is, nanny, nanny, foo-foo, you can't catch me. There's nothing you can do. I'm the roadrunner. You're wily coyote. You're never going to get me. I'm too strong for you, in your face, potato paste or whatever, you know. <laughs> He's basically saying, you'll never catch me because I'm the man. Some pride there, right? That's why 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. 
So Samson's getting proud, he's getting cocky, he goes, there's an attitude here of, I can do what I want, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then the second thing Samson did, the second step, is he rationalized the same old sin. And look at Samson. Samson wants to marry a Philistine girl. Then he seeks out a Philistine prostitute. And now in Judges 16, verse 4, it says, Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. You notice a pattern here? Do you see his kryptonite? Don't we tend to repeat the same old sin over and over and over again? And we can rationalize it, we can justify it, we can downplay it. Oh, you know, ah, come on, this is just my thing. It's just my one thing. Boys will be boys. It's okay. It's not hurting anybody. It's my business. Stay out of my business. But look at verse 5. 16 verse 5, the rulers of the Philistines went to her, to, to Delilah, and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him, and each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. That's some, some good money there. So uh, I'm not going to read the whole story, but, but uh, in verse 6, Delilah says to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Okay. Now, guys, if you go out on a date and you're out on the first date and your first date says, tell me what the secret of your strength is so we can tie you up and subdue you, that's like her saying, tell me what your bank account number is and your four-number PIN so I can access your bank account number and also where do you store all your valuables in your house? You know, it's like... What do you want to know that for? I mean, there's an agenda here, isn't there? Right? So Samson says, well, if you tie me up with bowstrings, I'll be as weak as any man. So Samson falls asleep. She ties him up with bowstrings. Then she says, Samson, the Philistine's here. Samson wakes up, busts open the bowstrings, and he's ready to fight. Now, right there. What was Samson thinking? Was he thinking, Delilah, you little kinky minx, you. What, you read Fifty Shades of Delilah here and you're try, trying them out here or what? I mean, this should have been a big red flag. When somebody asks you what the secret of your strength is and you tell them and they do that to you in a relationship, that's a red flag moment. I mean, this is again, this, that, that's an indication that you are in an unhealthy relationship. And this should have been a Delilah, we need to talk moment. It's not you, it's me, and this isn't working out, and we can just be friends, and I'll see you later. But Samson didn't do that, right? And Delilah starts crying, you lied to me, what's the matter with you, you big brood? And, and so Samson, he's, he, he's, he, he comes along and he says, well, you know what, here's what you need to do, tie me up with brand new ropes that have never been used before, and I'll be as weak as any other man. So he falls asleep. She ties him up with brand new ropes. And then she said, Samson, the Philistines are here. So Samson jumps up, breaks the ropes like they're nothing, and he's ready to fight. Now, again, you'd be thinking, something's wrong here. 
But she starts crying again. And Samson tells her this time, well, if you, weave, if you take my hair and weave it into seven braids, and now notice he gets closer to the truth, his hair, right? Weave it into seven braids, into fabric, into a loom, and then tighten it with a pin. I, I'm not exactly sure how it all works, but it seems like a very extensive thing you have to do, right? I mean, it, this sounds very deliberate, very complicated. It's a lot of work. Maybe Samson's thinking, oh, she'll never do this. But Samson falls asleep. She does that. She ties his hair into a loom. And it almost makes me wonder if Samson wasn't drunk or had been drinking that you would sleep that soundly that that wouldn't wake you up, right? I mean, just a thought. Now, maybe you could write the first two off as, you know, the bowstrings and the, and the, and the new rope. She, she's just being funny. She's just being cute. But when you start weaving my hair into a loom, I'm start, I should be getting a message here. And it's like, Samson, dude, how dumb are you? Right? I mean, this is, this is what they call relational blindness or I call it love dumb. Have you ever seen someone, they're in a relationship, they're in a, they're in a terrible relationship, but they can't see it. Everybody else, everybody else on God's green earth can see it, but they can't because they're love dumb. And it's like the, the brain has gone on vacation and it's just all emotion and I love him. And, and you know, this is true of guys and girls. Now, ladies, ladies can be love dumb too, you know, because, because you know, you, you, you ever uh, hear this one where, where she's dating this one guy and it's like, oh, I'm sure he'll get a job after we're married. I'm sure we'll get, we'll get married and then he'll change. <laughs> yes, he will. For the worse. So here, here's what I tell you. If you're dating somebody and you're thinking about marrying him, here's what you do. Rank him on a scale of one to ten. You know, wherever you think he's at right now. And then after you marry him, subtract two. <laughs> so if you're dating a 10, after you get married, he's going to be an eight. If you're dating a six, after you get married, he's a four. <laughs> now, if you're still okay with that, then marry him. That's good. That's fine. But just, that's just my little marital advice for you. But Samson's lust, Samson's lust has made him love dumb. And so we see in verse 15 to 16, it says, Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've, you've made a fool of me. Who's really making a fool of who here? And you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. And that's why Proverbs 21.9 says, better to live alone in a tumble-down shack than share a mansion with a nagging spouse. <laughs> so Samson, strong enough to kill a lion, strong enough to kill a thousand men, strong enough to rip city gates all out of the wall and carry them away, but he wasn't strong enough to lead a woman. Gentlemen, don't just be strong in business. 
Don't just be strong in sports. I've seen some of you guys, you get out on that softball field, man, you're all eye of the tiger, you're ready to kill. Don't just be strong in your hobby. You know, you're a big mighty hunter, I'm going to go out and slaughter and eat many animals. Be strong in your homes. In serving the Lord. Like Joshua said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I remember Ryan when he was like 13 or 14, you know, he's kind of going through that phase that 13 and 14 year olds go through. And and I remember one day he goes, I wish my dad wasn't a pastor so we wouldn't have to go to church all the time. (laughs) And now he's a pastor. (laughs) Don't you just love that? I mean, just God is the best, isn't he? But I told him, I I remember very clearly, I said, son, we don't just go to church because I'm the pastor. We go to church because we're believers and we do the right thing. And I said, you know what, your mother, her daddy was a farmer. And they were in church every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. In those days, they would have two-week revivals where you went to church every night for two weeks. And, and, even, dad, and even at those times when, when, when dad, her, her, your grandpa had to get the harvest in, he would be out on that tractor Sunday morning. But when it came time for church, he'd climb down off of that tractor, go to church, come back, get back on the tractor, get back out in the field, because you know what? You gotta get the harvest in. You, got, you know, they say you gotta make, gotta make hay while the sun shines. You gotta get that harvest in. He'd be back out on that tractor till a Sunday night service, then he would stop, get off the tractor, go to church, come back, and then if he had to, he'd get back on the tractor and, and keep going right through the night. But they did not miss church because they were gonna serve the Lord. So, Samson finally caves in and he gives up his secret. In Judges 16, 17, so he he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. I wonder how he felt as he was saying that. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. And here next we read one of the saddest verses in the Bible. The Bible has some real happy verses and some sad verses. This is a sad verse. Then she called Samson the Philippines, the Philippines, the Philistines. Sorry if you're any Filipinos here, okay? The Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But listen, look at this. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. How sad. Samson's strength wasn't his hair. He didn't have nuclear hair or anything like that. His strength was the Holy Spirit. And the time finally came for Samson to reap what he had sown. That's why it says in Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, it says, don't be deceived. Don't kid yourself. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature is going to reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Don't be deceived. Don't deceive yourself, the Bible's saying. Don't be misled. God is not mocked. Samson had mocked God one too many times. And now it's time for him to reap the whirlwind. And we see in verse 21, then the the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, bind him with bronze shackles, and they set him to grinding in prison. Basically, grinding meant he, he, was, he was pushing a wheel 
like an oxen would normally do, a grinding wheel. So we see that he was binded, blinded, and grinded. And that brings us to the third thing. Samson assumed, his third step down, he assumed his disobedience would never cost him. And you know, think about it. What's the biggest lie criminals embrace? They'll never catch us, right? We'll get away with it. If they thought they were going to get caught, they wouldn't do it. We'll get away with it. Prisons are full of guys who would never get caught. Rehabs are full of people who would never become addicts. Divorce courts are full of people who would never get divorced, who said, until death do us part. And a lot of people think, I can sin and get away with it, and it's going to be good, it's going to be okay, and it's not. It never works that way. Because you've got to understand three rules of sin. And if you're, if you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. Here's three rules of sin. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin's going to cost you more than you want to pay. And that's why the Bible says the pleasures of sin for a season. Yeah, there, there, is, a ple- there, there is pleasure for a while, but then you're going to pay. Now, over the years, I've seen guys who thought, I can get away with it. I can keep doing it. It's, I'll, just, I'll just talk my way out of it again. You know, I'll just go home, and I'll talk to the wife, and I'll talk to her, and I'll make her all the promises that, that, that she wants to hear, and, and it'll be okay. But he goes home, and finally the wife says, enough, no more. Or I'll go talk to the kids, and I'll the same thing. I'll make them all the promises, and the kids say, enough, no more. We've had it. Or I'll go to the boss and I'll tell the boss, oh, please, boss, give me one more chance. One more, please. And the boss says, enough, no more. I've given you one more chance twice now. So Samson thought he could get away with it. Time after time, he did get away with it. And he thought, one more time. And God says, enough. It's time for you to learn your lesson. It's time for you to go to the woodshed. It's time for you to take your medicine. And you know what? It's harsh, and it's not pretty. No eyes, no freedom, no honor. Samson's now in bronze shackles, grinding at a, at a wheel. Samson's disgraced, he's humiliated. He's the butt of jokes and mockery. So much potential, just so, so wasted. So men, here's the question. Where are you stepping away from God? And, you know, it can just be so simple as just not spending time in the Word of God like you should or, or not praying or your church attendance. You know, it's just kind of slipping because you know, there's just a lot of things coming up instead. Or maybe it's something bigger. Maybe you're doing something you know is wrong or sinful. Hourly, yeah, your hair's still long, but inwardly, you're drifting away. You're heading down a bad, bad road. What step are you on? Are you on step one or step 1,000 or step 50,000? What step are you on? Each step, remember, is an opportunity to stop, to, to, to stop and turn back and head the other way. It's not too late. It's never too late. Samson, man, Samson, he has blown it as big as you can blow it. He has gone as low as you can go. No eyes, no freedom. Grinding like an animal. I mean, how can you go much lower than that? 
But there's verse 22 here. I love verse 22. Because verse 22 says, But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. <laughs> you know what verse 22 tells me? It tells me this story ain't over. Like Yogi Bear said, it ain't over till it's over. Or it ain't over till the fat lady sings. And she ain't singing yet. It's not over. This story isn't over. Samson's story isn't over. And you know what? Neither is yours. Because that's how good God's grace is. God is not done with Samson. And he's not done with you. God hasn't given up even on Samson. God hasn't given up on you. It's never too late. It's never too late to turn around and start heading back on the right path. No matter what step you're on, you can still turn around. Turn it around, head back to God, come back to God, receive his grace and forgiveness. So what I want you to do right now is I'd like you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. And guys, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to Samson's here or, or to, to the gals too. Maybe you're heading down a bad path. Maybe you're on step 10 or step 1,000 or step 25,000. Maybe you're, however far down you're, you're going down that path, you can turn it around. If you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing, you can turn it around might be a big thing, it might be a little thing. And I just want to call you this morning to turn it around, to say, yes, God, I want to turn this around. I just want to pray for you. Father, if there's people here that are headed down a bad path, and I'm sure there are, because we can all do that, help us as, as your people to turn it around and go the right way. But I also want to speak to you here this morning who, you know, Jesus said there's two paths in life. There's the road that leads to eternal life, and then there's the path of destruction. So you're either on the road to eternal life or you're on the path to destruction. You're on the path of destruction if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. The Bible says you're on the road that will lead you to where you will perish in your sin. But that's not what God wants. God came so that you could be on the road to eternal life. That's why he came and died on the cross and says, whosoever will may come. God puts out an invitation to, to us that says, whoever would receive the gift of eternal life, it's a gift, you have to receive it. Who would ever receive it, I would give it to him. So this morning, I wanna ask you, are you ready to receive the gift of eternal life? If you've never received it, or if you've gotten away from it, here's your chance to receive it right now. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you why it heads are bowed and eyes are closed and people are praying, I'm going to ask you to be bold enough to say, yes, I want to receive the gift of eternal life. I want to receive Christ as my Savior. And a way to show that is to just right now, just slip your hand up. Just put your hand in the air nice and high so I can see it. Just as a way of saying, yes, God, that's me. I want to receive Jesus. Okay, thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down now. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you. Thank you. All right. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask those that raise their hand, I'm gonna invite all of us, but especially those that raise their hand, to just join me in this prayer. Just pray this prayer with me. You can repeat it with me if you like. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, Lord, I come to you just as I am. 
and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to wash them away and make me brand new. And from this day forward, I want to live my life for you, according to your word. Help me to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you know what? God's going to come in and change you. Let's give a hand to those that prayed that prayer.